I'm Kim Grinnells with Dogman.com with Chris Fetter. Spring football just around the corner, April 3rd, Wednesday. Practices are in the morning, highly anticipated. When taking a look at the quarterback battle, we will have previews of all the position out prior to spring football as well as more of an in-depth podcast on each position and Chris Fetters. We will just go ahead and start breaking down the quarterbacks. I don't think that there's been as much excitement for a quarterback coming into spring ball as we're going to see this spring starting Wednesday, April 2nd with Jacob Eason. Um, how crazy do you expect it to be on the first day of practice with just the media alone out there covering Jacob? Well, yeah, it's been, what, at least four years because Jake Browning didn't have a spring before he came in and took over. So it really is a, a brand new feeling, you know, just the idea of um, who's going to be the quarterback. Obviously, Jacob, a guy like Jacob Beeson, who transferred in from Georgia, has. Chris, Chris, let's go ahead and start over again because Browning was here in the spring and you're going to get called out on that. He was? Uh-huh. You're sure? Yep. 100% sure. Absolutely. No doubt in my mind. No, he was here. Okay. I don't remember that. But go ahead. Yeah. He was definitely here. And if we and if you say if I didn't stop you, you'd get called out on that. That's fine. I don't I don't remember him being here for spring. Yeah, and I didn't want to correct you. So all right. Sorry about that. But No, but you did. That's fine. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters. Spring football just around the corner. April 2nd, Wednesday is the starting date on that. Highly anticipated. Finally get to see Jacob Eason take a lot of snaps. We will break down all the positions, not only online, but with podcasts. And we're going to go ahead and just start it with the quarterbacks. Chris, a lot of hype around Jacob Eason, probably deservedly so. Tell people, I remember when you went out for the first time, up at Lake Stevens, and you were going to go out and see this kid, Skinny Eason. We hadn't heard much about him. We hadn't seen much about him. Kind of like when we first time we saw Jake Locker. We didn't know if he was a safety or a quarterback, but you went up to Lake Stevens pretty much with a blank slate, didn't know what to expect. Remind people what you saw that first time you saw Jacob Eason. Yeah, it was um, – I think it was his junior year. It was a playoff game. If I remember correctly, they were playing – Marysville Pilchuck and the star on their team at the time was Austin Joyner. So it's kind of interesting thinking back on all that stuff, but um, Marysville Pilchuck actually ended up winning that game, but Eason still threw for well over 500 yards. I think five or six touchdowns um, really showed off uh, exactly why everyone in the country was kind of drooling over this guy in terms of what he could do maybe at the college level. And so Obviously, it wasn't a shock that his, you know, his um, recruiting stock and all that stuff just, you know, shot out the roof and uh, eventually signed with Georgia. And, and now he's back at Washington, uh, transferred in last year and redshirted, obviously, and, and with the transfer rules. But again, um, you know, I think what did he, he checked in at a little over 6'6 at the Husky Combine on Friday. 6'6 six, six uh, and a quarter. Yeah. yeah, like 230 pounds and ran like a 4'8 and... Yep. You know, to, you know, physically, he's exactly what um, you'd want if you're looking for an NFL prototype type guy. Has uh, arguably the strongest arm in the game. If you listen to guys like Hugh Millen, and and so um, yeah, I mean, it's been four years since we've really seen uh, a situation where Washington has a like an open quarterback battle, and um, 
now you're gonna now you're gonna see exactly what the hype is about uh, about Skinny Eason, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun to watch for sure. Yeah, I mean we've been around a long time. If I put you know any professional scout or any college scout up on a, a whiteboard and say draw me the perfect quarterback, he's going to be six five six six. He's gonna run a four seven four eight forty, and he's gonna be able to throw a ninety five mile an hour fastball. Jacob Eason sure checks a lot of uh, those boxes. It's going to be interesting. You know, we didn't get a chance to really see that much of him last year because he was running the scout team practices are closed. He got some reps in spring, some reps in fall, but, uh, you know, uh, not a ton. But when we go out, we expect Jacob, uh, you know, not to take the first steps. But I think it's going to be real interesting to see him, especially with the media hype. Uh, out there. I expect a lot of cameras and I expect them all to be focused on Jacob Beeson, but he's used to that, Chris. He was down in Georgia. He was starting quarterback down there in the SEC. Uh, what do you expect media-wise with Jake on uh, on Wednesday the 2nd? Oh, it's going to be big. I mean, it's going to be big for sure. That The spotlight's certainly going to be on him. We're going to be uh, all over it in terms of covering what he does and, and, and how he reacts to the, to the spotlight, but you're right. I mean, not only did he start at Georgia in the SEC, but he started as a freshman and um, you know, that, that just shows the maturity and the poise and everything else that obviously Kirby smart and that Georgia staff thought he had in him. What's going to be interesting is, is that for the last, you know, four years, it's been all about accuracy. It's all about, you know, making great decisions. And that's what Chris Peterson wants in his quarterbacks. And now all of a sudden he's got a guy that, you know, is, is an absolute, like Adonis in terms of what you draw up physically in a quarterback and has all of the physical intangibles, but does he have those other intangibles that Chris Peterson, uh, you know, puts highly. In fact, he puts them as the, the top two things on his quarterback wish list above all others, which is accuracy and decision-making. Uh, we'll obviously see that over the course of the next 15 practices to see if that's something that he's been able to assimilate in his uh, in his repertoire over the last year as he's gotten to know Pete he's gotten to know obviously Jonathan Smith and now Bush Hamden and and how they want to run the Washington offense and then what he learned under Jake Browning as well I think is going to be really interesting to find out yeah and I think it's important for people I think people on the website understand this but not the casual fan he did not lose his job in Georgia he didn't. He went into, you know, he was a starter as a freshman. He went into fall camp as the number one quarterback, started the first game. He got hurt. He was out for a while. Uh, Jake Fromm took over the, uh, you know, the job and took him all the way to the title game. You know, when you've got a quarterback who's playing that well, you don't yank him. So uh, Jake Fromm is also a local kid. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't lose the job back there, and I think that's important for people to have a clear understanding of Chris. It's true. I mean, he did get while well, he pipped a little bit. And um, what's interesting is that Jake Fromm has also been the quarterback to the point where the the next phenom in line for Georgia, Justin Fields, has, uh, I believe he's transferred out as Georgia as well. So it's one of those things where, or at least he was talking about it. So, um yeah, I mean it's it's interesting once a once a guy like a you know like a Jake Fromm at Georgia or a Jake Browning at Washington once they become the starter and they kind of take uh, control over that position, it's amazing how the rest of the pecking order uh, decides what their future is going to be or what they think the future is going to be. We saw it with KJ Carter Samuels taking the, taking his uh, grad year and going to Colorado State. Um, we'll certainly see 
you know, what happens uh, as a result of, of who takes over this spring. If it is Jacob Eason and he is the guy that's going to be in uh, the starting quarterback in the fall, how does that, how do the dominoes fall behind him when it comes to a Jake Hayner or a Colson Yankoff or a Jacob Sermon, or, you know, even Dylan Morris is on campus now. So there's so many different things that could come out of it. And so it's going to be, again, very, very exciting to see how um, the quarterback position um, unfolds and and if we expect or if we if what happens is kind right. of a reaction of what we expect what everyone believes is going to be the case which is Jacob Beeson's going to be the man hey Chris you know another interesting point when we were back in Atlanta for the Auburn game I mean tell people out there we talked to a lot of people that were asking us about Jacob Beeson because I sense that everybody back there still thinks Jacob Eason's a rock star and they're going to be following him closely, but pretty much universally, everybody had great things to say about him. Well, right. And, and we've known, you know, like I said, I've, I've known um, skinny since he was in 11th grade and um, great kid, great family. And um, you know, just a real personable kid, a real, uh, a guy that um, again is, is been a leader for his football team, whether it was at Lake Stevens or Georgia or now, uh, at Washington, he's a guy that's that's always kind of known one way to, to do it, and that's to lead up front and be the guy and and be the 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 BMOC, the the big man on campus. And so I think that's something that when you're in the SEC and the spotlight's even greater on you because not only are you the most important guy on your team, but now all of a sudden you're kind of the the de facto spokesman for your program in the biggest conference in the country. That that can you know that can get to a guy's head or that can that can certainly inflate expectations. But again, a guy like Jacob Eason, he's he's such kind of a, a down to earth guy and and just kind of a mellow kind of go with it kind of guy. Yeah. That uh, I think that was something that was real attractive to the to the Georgia fans, and I think they really appreciated it because I just think that's something that um, you know maybe they see in themselves. You know, just kind of laid back, yeah. kind of go with the flow, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm going to bring up something. People are probably going to get a little irritated at me for making this comparison. But back in the day when Jake Locker was here, um, you know, uh, there was two. Uh, there's other quarterbacks here: Johnny DeRocher, Carl Bonnell. But Tyrone Willingham went ahead and named Jake Locker the starter without any competition. That is not going to happen with Jacob Eason. He is not going to be the number one quarterback going into spring. Well, at least not publicly. I mean, Chris Peterson, even if he has it in his mind that he thinks Jacob Eason is the heir apparent to Jake Browning. He's not going to um, tell that to anybody else. He might tell that to Bush Hamden, and that might be it. Um, well, I think he's going to make him earn it. I think he's going to have to go out there and take it away, which I don't think is going to take long, but I, I think it's actually a good thing that he's going to have to go out and earn it. Well, right, and I believe that, that that's also just paying respect to the other guys that have put in a lot of work and um, you know have put in strong off-seasons. Uh, we, we'll talk, obviously, a little bit about the combine day and, and what guys like Yankoff had to do. But, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that have put in a lot of work in the offseason to try to stake their claim. And I think it would be disrespectful uh, to all of a sudden just assume that a guy like Jacob Eason is going to be the guy. I mean, we, I, we all think he is. Like I said before, I mean, this is, you know, it'll be interesting to see if things pan out the way we thought they are going to pan out. But, again, nothing's forgiven. Uh, nothing's, nothing's just assumed. And Chris Peterson, certainly the the last guy that's going to assume that Jacob Eason's going to be the starting quarterback in 2019. We can all assume it, but uh, yeah. that's not his job. His job is to get all of those guys prepared because if if 
you know, if a guy like Jacob Beeson wins the starting quarterback job and all of a sudden loses it, you know, three, three, um, you know, snaps into the first game because of, uh, you know, because of an injury or something, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, that, you, you've got to get everybody yeah. ready. Yeah. Jay Kaner, um, you know, uh, Scott Eklund, I, you know, we weren't there uh, at the combine day because we had basketball coverage, but uh, Jay Kaner evidently came in looking pretty ripped. And I know that the coaching staff is really intrigued and infatuated with uh, Jay Kaner. Evidently, he's one of those guys. He's kind of a gym rat, you know, eats, uh, breathes and sleeps football. But expect him to take the first snaps at spring ball. But, uh, you know, Jay Kaner, strong arm, uh, smaller kid, but uh, has a rocket arm. Do you really think Jacob Hayner has his shot to start as quarterback, Chris? Sure. I mean, well, like you said in the beginning, I think everybody's going to get the opportunity. And what I talked about in the very, very beginning, you know, accuracy, decision-making, you know, don't want to sound like a broken record, but these are the things that Chris Peterson and, and Bush Hamden, that's what they value in their quarterbacks. They want their quarterbacks to be those guys. I mean, those guys that make good decisions every single time, put the offense in the best position to be successful on the play whether it's you know play what was called or make an audible or whatever the grasp of the offense is going to be absolutely critical and right now you could make an argument that Jake Hayner has a grasp of the offense that's better than any other quarterback in that room but obviously the first few days of spring uh, practice will tell us what we need to know in terms of that but those those are the things that are going to probably put a guy like Jake Hayner right in the middle of the mix and and we'll see if a guy like Jacob Eason can go ahead and match that and even surpass it. Yeah, and I, what I anticipate is, um, you know, Hayner to start off, you know, with the most reps, and I expect uh, Eason to gradually kind of take that over. I don't expect Chris Peterson to announce a, uh, you know, a depth chart for quarterbacks. Um, I'm guessing you will see an or quite a bit, Jacob Eason or Jacob Hayner, um, but I, I'd be stunned as would anybody with the first game of next year if um, Eason isn't the starting quarterback. But I think that, you know, Hayner has put in the work and he's deserving of the, uh, of the shot. But uh, at the end of the day, I just don't see that happening with everything. He's, you know, he's got all the intangibles, but what is he? Five ten, Chris, maybe. Well, he's listed at six foot one ninety six at least right now. I mean, obviously we expect that to change a little bit, but I don't expect the height to change. Um, yeah. Six foot seems generous. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And by the way, do you have any friends that tell you they're six foot that are actually six foot? You know one? Uh, I don't really – we don't talk about heights at my age anymore. <laughs> I think we talk more about, about, about how we're not nearly as tall as we used to be. Yeah. And the next battle to keep an eye on is uh, Colson Yankoff and uh, Jacob Sermon. I think they're different type of quarterbacks. They both redshirted last year. Um, I think, you know, at some point – um, you know, that's a competition that's going to play out. But uh, Colson Yankoff sure blew up at the combine, Chris. He did. Uh, 37 and a half inch vertical at the combine day. Um, best L-cone uh, drill of anybody on the team, which is a great uh, drill. It's a three-cone test. And, it's you know, you, you run around the cones. You do a little figure eight around the top and uh, come back. And I think it was a 6.5 flat that he ran it in, which is flying. And, um, you know, they list him at six four two two oh nine. Um, you know, to be honest with you, Kim, and I don't know if you've ever had this kind of thought in the back of your head when it comes to Yankoff, you know, is, is, is are they going to put a package together for him? Are they going to 
to, to utilize his athleticism? Could they even stretch him out wide? Could they use him as maybe a receiver in, in different situations? Could they, you know, I mean, can they get him in some space? Can they do some things to, um, to really try to, uh, take advantage of kind of the unique skill set that he's always shown off and and um, and something that they really enjoyed. So I don't know. It, it, we'll, we'll find out, uh, you know, this spring. But uh, obviously we won't be able to report on it because we can't report on formations and packages and that kind of thing. But I, I've always kind of wondered whether or not Yankoff is a guy that they could, um, you know, create a, a whole package around because of his uh, unique skill set. Kind of like they did with uh, Jeff Lindquist at times. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just one of those things where it feels like it's kind of, it's kind of begging for it. Um, maybe they don't, don't want to give, give away the shop obviously, but there's gotta be something where maybe they can, they can utilize him in, in some situations. And, and obviously it might be too obvious to have two quarterbacks in there. If you want to have a double pass, like they've used in the past so many times. Um, but maybe instead of maybe they could have a double, you know, two quarterbacks out there and then fake it and then just have Yankoff go down the field and, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, do some do some different stuff down there because clearly he's athletic enough, and he's shown that he's got speed, he's got quickness, he's got the vertical, so maybe he can create some one on one situations. Um, yeah, like I said, there's so many different things I think you could use with a guy right. like Colson Yankoff. Yeah, and when we saw him in uh, uh, spring and fall, it was pretty obvious that um, you know he came from a high school program who didn't throw the football a lot. You know, we heard that. You know, it's pretty much one read, and if it wasn't there for him to go off and run, where you know, and I thought he struggled quite a bit with being a quarterback. That the athletic ability is easy to see, but there's a lot more to play quarterback. Where a guy like Jacob Sermon came from an offense, more of a pro style offense, that threw the ball a lot more. It was obviously ahead, you know, from what we saw. But uh, Jacob Eason is—I mean, both these kids are really big, Chris. Well, that's right. No, Sermon is—you know—I mean, he's listed at six five two twenty one. Right now, so he's he's you know he might be an inch shorter than than Jacob Eason, maybe ten pounds, but we don't know because we don't know the updated heights and weights yet until uh, until right before spring football starts. So again, yeah, if you're looking at for guys, um, you know it's interesting because I think you know Yankoff shows that athleticism. I think Sermon shows a little bit of athleticism in a different way, but he's certainly more of that, like you said, kind of pure pocket passer, kind of that guy that just kind of directs the offense and. And um, and does that kind of thing and just in, kind of distributes the ball and and gets it to the playmakers. Yeah, um, the other guy uh, is here for the uh, for spring spring ball. Dylan Morris graduated early, highly touted quarterback coming out of Graham Capowson. But uh, Dylan Morris, I think uh, some people may be sleeping on a little bit. I don't expect him to be in the depth. He's obviously going to redshirt, but uh, Dylan's a kid with a lot of talent as well. Very talented, very talented, and you're right. He's going to get um, very comfortable holding the clipboard this spring, and he's probably going to be doing some signs and, and doing all that kind of stuff that they've asked the quarterbacks to do in the past, the backup guys. So he's going to, you know, he's going to have to embrace that role and really get into it. But you know, all those guys go through that, and um, it's kind of part of their undergrad training, right? I mean, they kind of go through that that thing, and he needs to get bigger, faster, stronger. You talk about Hainer. Whether he's six foot or not, I mean, you know, Dylan Morris is—he's listed at six foot one eighty-eight, and so um, you know, he's another guy kind of in the in the Jake Hayner mold. I think he's a little bit more developed than Hayner was at at that point in terms of the high school development. 
Uh, he's certainly been, you know, he was a four-year starter at Graham Kapowson. He's done a lot of big things at the high school level. So it's going to be intriguing to see not only how much they put on his plate to start, but uh, also kind of what they'll ask of him during this fall because it, it feels like the pattern has emerged, right, where you kind of, you know, you're doing the signs, you're learning the offense, you get that down pat, and then the next spring is the one where you really get to, you know, have that as a springboard to kind of go on to bigger and better things. Um, Washington seems to really be set at quarterback because they've got, uh, what is it, five quarterbacks on the roster right now? Yep. And and they have two commitments for the next two years. Uh, Ethan Garbers uh, committed here, what, a couple weeks ago? Um, And his recruitment started to blow up, even though he may be rated right now as a three-star um, I can't remember the offers, but I know he got an offer from Alabama as well. So uh, Ethan Garbers, you know, how much do you know about Ethan Garbers? Not too much other than his brothers at Cal. And so they've already kind of started, you know, talking smack about that. Um, you know, his brother's Chase Garbers. So there's, you know, clearly there's a pedigree there. There's a history of football in the family that bodes well. I mean, it's it's something if you grow up with it, you kind of understand it. So there's, there's that. So you clearly have to assume that he kind of gets it intuitively, you know, what it's all about being a quarterback at that level. Um, you know, so he's played, played for a couple of years now and at that level and, and has done a nice job. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Cause you know, like you said, you know, you, you, not to go too far ahead, but you've got, you know, quarterbacks in line at least until what, 2023, 2024, um, that's pretty impressive the, to already have that kind of lined up and ready to go. That gives Chris Peterson and Bush Hamden and those guys a lot of comfort knowing that they're, you know, they, they know what the signal caller situation is going to be. They know what the room's going to be like. And so they can really kind of tailor their program and their schemes and everything around all of those guys and what their strengths are. And way down the road, Sam Heward is only going to be a junior in high school. He's committed uh, to University of Washington, and I think Sam has a chance to be uh, a truly special kid. I just remember the first time I saw him throw a football, um, and I, it reminded me of when I saw um, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. swing the bat for the first time. He just had such a beautiful swing, you know, and I, I'm thinking, why can't everybody swing the ball like that? Well, it's a gift. Um, and when you take a look at the way Sam Heward throws a football, boy, he's got a pretty release. He's, I mean, he mechanically, I mean, he just looks solid. He's still not real big. He's about 6'2", 180, you know, but there again, he's only going in, into his junior year, and I expect him to be well over 200 pounds by the time he winds up at the University of Washington. You've seen him, Chris, but I think he's a special talent. He is really, you know, obviously, again, we talk about football in the family with the Garbers family, Heward family uh, up here. Everyone understands that and it speaks for itself in terms of the quarterbacks that uh, Mike Heward produced with his kids and obviously with with his kids, kids. So um, it's going to be interesting because, you know, the Sam grew up with with Washington football in his blood from from day one um, with his dad, with Damon. And so um yeah, you know, he's not the biggest kid in the world, but again, the comparisons, if we think the comparisons between Jake Browning and a, and a, and a uh, Kellen Moore or whatever were, were overblown, you know, everyone is going to think that Sam Heward is Kellen Moore reincarnated. So it's just the way it's just the way it's going to work, guys. I just I don't know how else to describe it because they it feels like they're coming from the same pattern. 
Um, you know, the only difference is, is that Kellen was coached by his, by his dad at Prosser, whereas obviously Damon's not coaching, um, Sam, uh, but he's, you know, he's around obviously. And, and, uh, and that, but in terms of being four year starters at, at top programs, um, you know, competing for potentially competing for state titles and things like that, the, the comparisons continue to go right down to the, you know, their height and their weight and the fact that they're left-handed and they've been prodigious, um, you know, statistically in their high school days. So it's, uh, it's inevitable that those two guys are going to get linked. Yeah. And I think Sam's going to wind up being a lot bigger than either one of uh, those guys. Uh, well, I mean, Jake, um, Browning was about six two, but, uh, you know, uh, Sam is about six two as well. Right. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on him expect quite a few of those games to be on route. So you can uh, take a look at him as the year goes on. Anything else we need to cover on the quarterbacks, Chris? No, just again, I think the, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because you're balancing the, the knowns with the unknowns and, what we know about Jacob Eason and what he did at Georgia balanced against the unknowns of, of how well he's assimilated the UW playbook, how well is he kind of uh, formed a friendship and a bond with, with, um, with Bush Hamden and how close have they gotten. And then, you know, and, and then obviously all the other guys down the line and see how that develops. It's going to be a really, really fascinating spring uh, in terms of the quarterbacks for sure, because there's so much that we assume is going to happen, but yet Chris Peterson, I don't think he's assuming any of that stuff at all. All right. Hey, uh, if you're wanting to get those daily updates and breaking news alerts, make sure just shoot us an email, huskystadium at gmail.com subject line newsletter. We'll go ahead and get those daily updates and alert you on any breaking news. Again, one more time, huskystadium at gmail.com subject line newsletter we will get you hooked up again we'll have all the previews coming out within you know days of each other as well as podcasts on every position so from all of us at dogman.com i'm kim grenolds along with chris fetters go dogs